will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, a show where we, three broken husks, fix you, an indeterminate number of indeterminately broken husks. If you'd like to get in on that sweet husky action, not like that, then you can email us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Joining me today, Mr. Dave Convery, official crunk instructor to the House of Lords. Good evening. Myself, Roger Hart, badly constructed from flat pack by over-enthusiastic ants, and was Lucy Boy. The world record holder for swallowing the most small mammals. Oh, I couldn't possibly. I'm full of sugar gliders. Today's question is a little complicated. Dear fixerators, it begins. I have just been invited to a school reunion. My school was in Sheffield, where I used to live, and now I live down south, like the blood traitor that I am. And usually their reunions are up north, but not this one. This one is in London. I have but one friend from my school days that I still adore. And we just made a comedy pact to attend this burst sausage of a social event together. So it is written, so I shall attend. This is the easy part. The problem is not whether or not to attend. Oh no. The dilemma arises because I used to attend an all-girls school. I am, in fact, a man having done a gender several years after leaving the fiery hell pit that was my school. As far as I know, only my friend, with whom I am attending, knows this. The situation is ripe, warm, and tumescent with hilarious opportunity. I am overwhelmed with choices. How do I make the most of this delightful turn of events? Ms. Boy, would you care to kick us off? Oh, well, this is, this is horrifyingly pertinent in that I've actually recently been invited to my own first school reunion, and I have no idea if I want to go or not, unfortunately, I have until Christmas to decide that. You call your school a fiery hell pit, and you've only got one good friend left from those times, so I would say chances are you don't really care much for these folks, and you could probably get some enjoyment out of fucking with them. I think also, you know, you, you mentioned having done a gender some years ago, and I think... People often, especially if they don't know you that well, but feel entitled to you in some way, they tend to kind of conflate, I didn't know a thing about you, with you sort of lying to them about yourself. So why not build on that with a kind of fun game of outrageous lies? I think also, you know, given that the sort of, the gender is the big obvious change, you could even make the lies so outrageous that it seems maybe like one of the sort of least interesting things that's happened to you in the interim. I, you know, I assume it probably was a big and important thing for you, but you do not owe these people your true squishy inside self. So I think it's more interesting if you can pick things that they are likely to be impressed by, but which are hard to substantiate. So if you think about all the kind of boring shit that would get them excited at school if you've retained any of that, you know, work from that and weave in small details. Get kind of the right amount of, whoa, jealous, without it seeming totally impossible that you've done it. I think it's also helpful to kind of tweak and improve on things that actually happen. So you've got kind of like a kernel of truth at the mm -hmm. centre of it. If I think of an example from my own life, I once very briefly met Trevor Nunn, shook his hand, he said he quite liked my poem from the thing that we went to. You know, you could turn a, in a meeting like that into a short collaboration that didn't end up going anywhere, so there aren't actually, it's not on his Wikipedia mm -hmm. page, but you know, you worked with the guy. 
Um, so try and think of examples like that. You can also um, draw on, for inspiration, the experiences of famous fabricators from the past. So we've got some good examples here. There was um, Joan Lowell, who was an actress who wrote a book called The Cradle of the Deep in 1927, which was about all the adventures she had uh, on her dad's ship where everything went catastrophically wrong and she ended up swimming away from the shipwreck with the tiny kittens clawing to her back. None of it happened at all. Everyone loved the book and thought it was a wonderful history. None of it happened. There was uh, Marmaduke Wetherill, what a wonderful name, oh. who um, built a fake Loch Ness monster saying, we'll give them their monster. Again, this is, you know, mm-hmm. ripe kind of fertile ground for your imagination. I just watch Catch Me If You Can, if you want yeah. to. That's probably yeah. going to set you up well. And I think if you want to sort of take this a little bit further, if you're really kind of up for the fuckery, cultivate an area of mysterious success and you might be able to get some of your more credible former schoolmates involved in a pyramid scheme that you directly financially benefit from. Ooh, I like that. Mm. Use charisma and novelty and the mystery of your differences to extract money from fools. Liminality is powerful. Mm-hmm. They will think you're magical. I love the idea of disposable lies that can't be verified. Like, I don't know, I dropped out of the astronaut program. Yes. Or, yeah. A sort of a medium-sized lottery win that you spent on something stupid. Yes. I went private chefing in the Bahamas for a list of rich and famous people. Just yeah. Stuff that no one could ever possibly substantiate. I spent my gap year crewing yachts for fancy people, got distracted and did it for a bit too long. Hmm. Here are the outlandish famous people I nearly had sex with. Yes, won't you buy my beauty products? Yes. I realised I've just outlined the beginning of the backstory to The Great Gatsby. That doesn't end well for the protagonists. True, but you sound less jaded than them, so let's, I believe that you can do this. I am fundamentally a careless person. Not you, the listeners. <laughs> I believe that you're jaded. I, I, I like your fixes. Mm. I do. Um, and I, I have some, some, some sort of similar things to come to, but I'll confess I initially misread this question and thought it was about how to cope with the horrifying experience. And after slightly too many glasses of wine yesterday, I ended up spending some time doing some research and ended up nearly crying at a bunch of trans people's experiences of going to or being too afraid to go to high school reunions, leading me down this rabbit hole of, oh gosh, this whole thing is horrifying. Were any of them positive? One or two. They weren't... It was serendipitously positive, though. A lot of the people that had good experiences and things like notifying the school or the organisers in advance... Mm. And their, their, their class, they, I think they skewed younger quite mm-hmm, often. Mm-hmm. Uh, their class group's been broadly supportive and the people that weren't had kind of stayed out of their way. Fine. Things like, so sort of some people had had their um, sort of dead name and their current name on a name tag, mm-hmm. which you'd have to be very sure you were comfortable with. I'll oh kind of God, come yeah. to that. Because one of the problems with this is that you've got sort of an ipso facto outing out of the box. Like mm. you, and that Particularly with the single sex school aspect, that's yeah. just... This is this is... There's the potential to be messy. If it was a large mixed school, you, mm. the sort of the signal could get lost in the noise, and you could avoid having a lot of conversations. I, I got quite distracted by the idea that this could be horrible, and it just sort of brought me back to a thing, um, which is you're looking for a fun opportunity, and I, I don't mean to patronise, and I don't mean to kind of insert my raw sort of, terror of the world, uh, but also weird cis privilege over your desire to get some fun out of something, but like. Are you sure you're all right? Because this could be horrible. Um, This is an experience skewed by me getting pissed and reading traumatic stories, so, you know, pinch of salt. And presumably you're disproportionately more likely to write about it on the internet if it was really bad than if it was neutral to fine. Yeah. And a lot of people were just talking about why they were afraid of going to this thing. Mm. Relatively few people had. I found it interesting that there were relatively few people, especially given how common reunions are, particularly in the US. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there were relatively few people telling detailed stories. Mostly, it was just fear tales. Mm. Um, but we sing the self-care song a lot on this show, um, joining at the chorus. But are you sure? Because I'm going to get to a couple of ideas for sort of extracting some fun. But there are some things that I just sort of I wondered about. Um, what kind of conversations are you are you willing to have? How politicised are you comfortable with your identity being? You've written into us in a way that's quite has a bit of levity, and you're willing to talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to guess maybe a bit. Um, but explain the problem is sort of with with the single sex education thing. Explaining forces you to perform something potentially traumatic. Mm. Who are you? Oh, I'm Bob McMasculine. Who? Oh, I used to be Beatrice Femme. Like, are, are you are you okay with with that? I, I hated my childhood, I hated my school, I hated a lot of my previous life, and the idea of getting one over on people or extracting some fun at their expense is tremendously attractive. Revenge it, fantasies don't always work out well. Yeah. Mm. And every time I've come close to, and this is nothing like your experience, I don't have anything of that kind of shape, but every time I've come close to acting on some of this, it's just felt A, terrifying, and B, like a terrible idea that would rebound horribly. I've been to exactly two reunions in my life. One was a school thing, one was a university thing, both respectively. Um, they can't have been 10 years because the times wouldn't work out. But anyway, I, I, the school thing was back when I was not doing very well in my life. Like, I wasn't very materially successful. I wasn't particularly happy. I was in a bad place. Um, the university one was when I very much was. I was equally terrified about both of them. I had very different experiences of both of them. Bad time, good time. And the bad time I had, the sort of the school one, I... My feelings of anxiety, of inferiority, the fact that I'd internalised a load of class prejudice. I was working at a sort of dead-end job at the time, and I, you know, I, I'd internalised a bunch of stuff, made me really prickly and defensive, and I kind of wanted to, I don't know, rub the people that had bullied me's noses in some successful part of my life, but I couldn't. And Kiss my crowned anus, Yeah, exactly. And it just, it was just, the whole thing was an anxiety roller coaster. It turned out that in the intervening time, everyone had grown up a bit, and the awful people weren't quite as awful, and it was merely slightly awkward social interaction, mm. as opposed to being, like, all of the awfulness came from inside me. Later experience I had, university thing, very similar set of anxiety baggage, except it turned out I was the bad guy, like, I was the person that was, this is just going to sound like the most torturous humble brag, but the... I was the weird, conspicuously successful one that you were doing people were feeling awkward about, yes. and I wasn't expecting that, and I thought everyone would be like fucking stockbroker astronaut scientists, and it turned out everyone was basically okay, and I was doing a bit better than okay, and it was a little bit awkward for reasons I wasn't expecting at all. The one stockbroker astronaut scientist briefly paused to complain and apologise for being unhappy, but explaining that he was unhappy, and like, I shouldn't really complain about being unhappy, but I do hate my life. I make so much money, but I hate my life. I'm very sorry. Um, actually quite privilege aware, yeah. um, in a way that I wasn't enough. This is a horrifying digression. My point being, this is an emotionally fraught landscape, and before you go in to fuck with people... Well, there's a couple of options, right? You can play it for laughs, just kind of be surreal. You can go in for the vengeance fantasy, the triumph stuff. Both of those things are risky, or you can just get the fuck through it. If it's about just getting the fuck through it, as I originally misread the question, and as the traumatic version could emerge to be, a few simple strategies I would suggest. You've got a friend, which means you can come up with some coping mechanisms. You could even go so far as to have like a safe word for getting you out of a conversation or something, or have a plan for making an exit. Make sure you stick together. There, there are things you can do in case something gets a bit crunchy or a bit messy. 
The other thing to bear in mind from reunions is that you're going to have a lot of perfunctory conversations you don't care about. Like it, it, basically, there's a long tail. You'll have two or three really good interactions, a long tail of, hi, I'm in 1990. Blah, blah, did a boring. Oh, me too, also a boring. Um, children, yes, lovely. All of that tedious fucking shite. Why so, is Jimmy Savile there? Let's just hope he isn't. He had school and didn't hear a reunion. So, given that most of the conversations are going to be utterly disposable, you get to rehearse. You can come up with... This, this is in coping strategy land. You can come up with a couple of things that you're happy to say over and over again because they'll be in that kind of fetic, low-quality conversation space that you can throw away. And they don't have to be true. They don't have to be true. So, if you're at all actually anxious about this, you can have one or two things that you repeat until you find people you can bear talking to and then you can have a conversation. But that's all boring, isn't it? Like, let's assume you want to go weird and the self-care is sorted. I think, I think we're probably safe on that one. So, m- much like Miss Boy's angle of lies, um, claimed to be an increasingly outlandish selection of people who couldn't make it, from the real to the entirely made up. Because if the first thing that people are going to notice is that your gender as presented is not the ambient gender of the school, then that instantly invites a degree of question which you can instantly play with without having to actually explain who you are. You can call yourself Mamajig Weatherall if you want to. Yeah. So you can be, you can just, I, I am such and such, I used to go to the school, I transitioned. You can make it up. Um, and then you can make a horrifying life story. So if you're really going for the revenge fantasy, was there someone that couldn't make it, that you always hated, that you could claim to have been, and then just tell a hideous libelous story about their life in between? Just flowing that out there. You don't have to be nice. Or you could just refuse to explain, just completely deadpan it and see what happens. I really like that, actually, as an option. Just, just, just completely flat, no dialogue, no engagement, and just hold people's eyes if they dare to be awkward or look like they're going to ask. Just fucking steely, just get in there with the eye contact. The you eyes dare. that say you wouldn't be so rude, yeah, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't. Would you, you fucking dare, motherfucker. Or disinterest but like Yoko Ono style disinterest, have a butler that explains how disinterested you are. Well, you tweet about clouds. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, The other idea I had is is a little potentially identity insensitive, but it does sound like you're willing to kind of play with the boundaries of this. So, um, first off, this will require some preparation. There will be an arts and crafts component. There will be some props. Um, Tell anyone who mentions it anyone who mentions the kind of gender disconnect, um, that, you, that you have to be comfortable with kind of effectively deadnaming yourself and stepping back into a previous identity. And if you're not, don't, for very sound self-care reasons. Tell anyone who mentions it to you that you just got off the stage as the principal boy in a pantomime. And then perform a series of theatrical scenes. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to get a show going. Like, we are going to non-consensually pantomime your school reunion. So you need to come with scripts so that anyone you hand them to can read in for other parts. And you need to be a fucking force of nature. Do not stop roping bystanders, being props. Have a costume on under your outfit. We're going to get the entire fucking reunion impromptu performing like Peter Pan or Push in, Puss in Boots or some such shit. So, oh, you know, who are you? What's up with your gender or whatever the fuck stupid insensitive question someone asks you. Oh, I just got off stage. You get super enthusiastic. Hey, do you want to do you want to see like it was the dress rehearsal? It's shaping up really well. I could use a little hand. Like, could you read in? And you start at the beginning, 
and you hand out scripts and you rope people in and sooner or later you're going to have the entire reunion basically performing a really, really bad pantomime. I think this is even better if the reunion's happening in like August. Yeah. And again, you do not explain. You do not ever explain. Not at all. You're probably going to have to throw some fun-sized Mars bars at people at some point throughout that. Everyone needs snacks. I once went to a bad pantomime where they did that with a tennis racket, like whacking them into the audience, and several kids got like hit in the face with high-velocity sweets and, and started crying. Yeah. I went to one once where more kids went up on the stage than were meant to, and they had to give some of them like dog food and cabbages and stuff that just wasn't sweets that they had lying around. Why did, why did they have so much dog food on stage? Unknown. <laughs> what show, sort of show was this? Unknown. Take dog food. Mm. Mr. Convery. I've never been to a reunion of any sort. Um, have you been invited and chosen not to go, or did they just not have? Yeah, I have, and and I sort of. Uh, that sounds quite dramatic. It's not that I had a particularly difficult childhood or time at school. I'm just completely indifferent to the vast majority of human beings. Uh, so they're rubbish. And why, why? Why? Why would I bother? Not trauma, just boredom. Mm. So my entire understanding of uh, reunions comes from films. Uh, And in films, if you're attending a reunion, there isn't usually something else going on. Um, There's normally some sort of stakes that constantly drag you out of conversations and it might be a malfunctioning time machine or you're not really at the reunion, you're pretending to be someone else in order to carry out a heist at the bank that's open next to the school for some reason. Geographically improbable, but screenwriters mm. don't give a fuck, do they? So, in order to recreate that sort of experience for you, uh, you're going to need to pay someone to basically uh, run a heist, uh, a sort of imaginary heist. Give them, give them a prop budget. I'd suggest about hundred pounds because they're going to need to drag it out for the entire duration of the thing. But you don't want them getting too realistic. Partly because I think kitsch is fun, but partly because see what they come up with. Really, mm. it's an improv job, right? Yeah, it's an improv job. They're, they're, they're effectively DMing your evening mm. through an earpiece or text or something. Yeah, constraints are good for creativity. Exactly. Um, they need to understand story structure, so they need to understand that they have to start small and escalate, so that your evening gets more and more Arcs of absurd. Tension. Yeah, mm. as as the night goes on, mm, the little loops. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, you, you probably want a good three act structure. So mm. by the time that everyone's drunk and having an affair, you're carrying a large fizzing cardboard bomb through the mm. through the building. You're going to have to commit to this, obviously. But given how inane most conversations of these things are going to be, I mean, it's going to be like, oh, how, how are you? Mortgage? Repaired your fence? Yeah, good. Estate agent. Squirted out a child? Wonderful. Oh, you've got a smart car. Oh, they're very small. You're not missing much being dragged away from those to run around the backs of whatever building you're in, you know, doing hostage negotiations to someone that is very obviously your friend putting on a crude German accent. And people are already going to be a bit confused when you keep disappearing. So when you come back wearing an eye patch or an astronaut's helmet or the infinity gauntlet, they're probably not going to say too much by the time you get into hour two or three of this. Not only will it spice up what will otherwise be quite a dull evening, uh, it gives you an excuse to actually get out of those conversations. Like if you can say, 
oh, I'm sorry, uh, I really must take this, Dr. Apocalypse has stolen the moon. That's a good reason to leave. That's a good reason to step away, get a drink, foil Dr. Apocalypse. It who, sounds real legit. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely not interfere with that for a whole raft of reasons. Mm, we need the moon. It's important for the tides and we stuff. We do need the moon and werewolves. Yes. One, one, one caveat. Do not attempt any excuses, no matter how outlandish, to anyone who is talking to you about the process of buying or renovating a house, particularly if it's their, it is their first, because they will never, ever shut the fuck up and will get incredibly resentful. Um, if um, if you try to try to leave, you don't need those people though. No, no. You need to save the moon. Well, so, or, or use this as an excuse to punch them with the Infinity Gauntlet. Always. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, that's great. If if you're if you're genuinely genuinely sick of a conversation, simply yell something along the lines of Doctor Apocalypse. I'll see through any disguise, you cheap hack, and yes. smack them in the face. Yes. Um, there's already someone else in on this. You say you've got a friend in on this. I think you should rope in a third person to run this and you and your friend can effectively LARP your way through an evening of increasingly drunken spy slash heist slash superhero antics. I think that's what you should do. I kind of want to go to this reunion now. Mm. Tell you what, I mean, I'll DM it. The offer's there. You still want a hundred pound props budget though, right? I'll lend, I will lend you my glue gun. Oh. Well, a glue gun has fixed it. We have, with the glue gun, fixed it. Oh, we fixed so many things with the glue gun over the years. Mr. Convery's anal leakage, that problem in Parliament. There is a further complication. I will tell you about it once we finish recording. Thank you. If you would like us to fix something or glue something, Sphinctral or otherwise, you can get in touch at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Ta-ta.